brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, Sports Talk with Broads. Here's Hunter Brody. What is going on, everyone? Welcome on into Sports Talk with Broads. What a crazy day two of the NFL draft. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not as excited. I'm not as pumped up. I loved what they did with Devontae Smith. But what we saw between Howie Roseman and Tom Donahoe with the fist bump or the lack thereof, that takes the storylines for sure. We will talk about Dickerson. We will talk about uh, Milton Williams from Louisiana Tech. We will talk about all that because it obviously matters. But I am so disgusted with what I saw. The issue with this franchise was the lack of communication between the scouting and the analytics or just the scouting and Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie in general. And within one day, one day, we are already back to the drama-filled nonsense. It was clear that there was some miscommunication and they were not on the same page with what they were going to draft or who they are going to draft, I should say. And it goes back to, I was so proud of them for just sticking to the draft board and what they didn't do in day two, specifically towards the end. Not so much Dickerson, because Dickerson can play. There's no denying that his skill set is rare. It's phenomenal. He could be a top, top lineman in this entire league. He's got versatility, center guard, and even if you need to, he could step in and play time. If he needed to, he is that versatile, and he's all over the map. So that is a beauty side of Dickerson. The injuries are scary. We'll touch on those, but I'm not worried about the overall skill level of Dickerson. I don't think that was a reach. I think the skill level is there. Hell, without the injuries, he's a top first-round talent without a doubt. So I'm not arguing that. It's more what happened at the end when you pick 70, you want to trade back to 73, and during that process of moving backwards, you miss out on guys on your draft board that was higher that pissed off your scouting department. And that's such a problem considering 
all of this noise that just came out with the athletic piece from Bo Wolf, Sheil, and Jack Berman. That's exactly, exactly what the issue was. And now we're already reliving it. I praise the fact that it seemed like there was a different sense of urgency. There was a different focus level. There was a new identity heading into this draft because the heat was on this entire franchise. So they knew they had to do something different. Well, they didn't. They missed out on Robinson, who went to the New York Giants, who was probably what they had their eyes set on. McNeil was another guy that went in that frame. And I just wonder, is that where Tom Donahue wanted to go? Is that where Andy Udell wanted to go? And instead, you pick someone who is in the trenches on the defensive side. And that's not to say that Milton Williams is going to be good or bad. That's not to say that he's going to stink or not stink. You know how this franchise works, right? If you've been an Eagles fan for quite some time, think about where they went today. They went offensive line and they went defensive line. I don't have an issue with that because that's your bread and butter. They statistically have such power on their offensive side and defensive side of the line for a reason because they value it and they get a lot of success from it. And a lot of that had to do with the way Jim Schwartz built his scheme and who's to say Jonathan Gannon is going to have that same emphasis on his scheme? Probably not, but that doesn't mean it's not useful. It doesn't mean it's not beneficial. You still need that penetration. You still need that depth and you still need that help. So I'm not ruling him out. I'm just worried about the way that it played out, the visual and the way that you saw the issues we've seen to this point somewhat resurface after one day. It was very short-lived. So my problem heading into this season with the current regime was you need to reset. You need to acknowledge the flaws, acknowledge the problems, and then as a franchise, fix it. I apologize for what I did in the past. That wasn't working. Look where we are. It didn't work. So let's get back on track. Let's talk. Let's have dialogue. Where do you stand? I'll hear you out. I want to hear what you have to say. And if I'm Jeffrey Laurie because I'm at the top, I'm at the tippy top, and I'm looking down at everybody, I need to make that executive decision. I got to call everybody into a meeting, into a big office room, a big conference room, sit in the one chair that has the armrest, put my feet up, not really because that would be a horrible look, and air it out. Air out the issues. Whether that happened or not, it might have to happen again if it did. Because now you're right back to square one. What they did today, it made me lose a little bit of confidence that I had. The optimism that I have uh, somewhat went away. Now, I have a quote, and I want to pull this quote up real quickly from Howie. I am a little shocked that they fully somewhat, and, and it's hard to deny it, right? I mean, let's be realistic. It's hard to truly deny what went down. Give me one second here. I am just pulling it up the best that I possibly can here. I'm having a little bit of some uh, lag. Do they call it lag or is that more just the Call of Duty days? Okay, here we go. He said, I think when we were at pick 70, there were a couple guys that we liked on the board. We moved back a little bit to see how it would go. A couple of the guys that we liked went as well. And, you know, these guys spend all year scouting these guys, and you get favorites. You get guys that you feel really strongly about. We all do. And that's the fun part about being in the draft room is the emotions of it. At the end of the day, Milton Williams is an exciting player for our football team. We're excited to have him. I don't want to take away from his day, but we're all excited about that pick. Now, at the end, it got a little fugazi. It got a little... 
I don't know, happy towards the pick because we selected him. Rah, rah, let's wave the pom-poms towards Williams. He was pretty open about it, though. Look, they wanted him. They were not happy how it fell after we traded down, but we still like Milton Williams a lot, and we want him to be successful for this franchise. We think he's going to be successful for this franchise. I was a little taken back, though, to hear him be so out there and and so open about what went down. But like I said, it's kind of hard to deny it when everybody witnessed the fist bump or the lack thereof and how ugly that certain situation was. Not good. Not good. Let's get to Landon Dickerson, all right? The dude is tough as nails. The kid is a leader, and you know where Jason Kelsey is in, in his career. I understand the logic behind it. I have had fear for a couple of players on this line since the last two years. Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, Jason Kelsey. You can live with Isaac Sayamalu. You don't know fully what Jordan Maialata is, but he's shown you enough where you're intrigued and you still have Andre Dillard, which you don't know what he is either. I feel some look at what he did at right tackle for one game and think that's who he is, but at the end of the day, it's not It's obvious he can't work around the line. He doesn't have versatility like Dickerson does. Not even damn close. But if he needs to play left tackle, I don't know if he can or not. You had a high draft on him. You had a high grade on him. You picked him in the first round for a reason. My point is, center and the entire right side, I don't know how much more you have left in the tank. And if you are a team that values the offensive line the way the Eagles do, there's a reason why the Eagles constantly have one of the best offensive lines in football because they emphasize it. They put a lot of stress on it. So we want the outside corner. We want the linebacker. And I think it's fair to want them. Asante Samuel Jr. was available. JOK was available. And he's a stud. He's going to be making plays in a linebacker position. Versatile. Dude's a brick house, man. Good luck trying to run into that guy. Well, I should say this. Good luck getting tackled and getting ran into by that guy because he's a force. One of the reasons why, though, we take it for granted why the Eagles line, when healthy, is so pure and helps the quarterback stay upright is because they make moves like this, and there's no denying it. So it's not sexy, it's not what you wanted, and there are other holes. And it might not have been your best bang for your buck, but there's no denying what they build and how they are so strong and so successful with the offensive line because they draft guys like this and and they sniff them out. Now, also, Stoutland. The fact that Stoutland gets his fingerprints all over Dickerson, that intrigues me for sure. He's going to make a stud into an even more of a stud. Put the cherry on top, and that's going to be amazing. So if he can stay healthy, that's when the ball gets rolling in. This guy's going to be incredible, franchise-changing offensive line player. And that's why I can't get too upset with it, because I know if healthy, he is that. There's no denying it. He is that. It's not a question mark. If he's healthy, he is that. He can play center. He can play guard. He could do it all. Here's your problem. 2016, seven games at right guard. Seven starts at right guard. Ankle injury, ACL injury, sorry, 2016 ACL injury. 2017, four games at left guard, ankle injury. 2018, one start at right tackle, ankle injury. 2019, 13 starts, four at right guard, nine at center. 2020, 11 starts at center, ACL injury. So there's two ways to look at this. You passed up on DK Metcalf 
because of an injury history, and then look at him flourish. How can you pass up on him? How could you miss a talent like that? How can you be afraid of an injury? Just because you have an injury doesn't mean you can't get back on the field and be very productive. That's what was being said about DK Metcalf. And now he's just an absolute weapon, and yeah, it stings that you passed up on DK Metcalf. The other side of that, Sidney Jones. He was a first-round talent that had the Achilles pop, and he was never able to become the player that you needed him to be. Different mindset, though. I don't think mentally Sidney Jones is even close to the player that Dickerson is when it comes to being engaged and being able to get over the mental hurdles and being mentally tough enough to play in this city. I think Landon Dickerson definitely ticks all those boxes, Those are some serious injuries, though. Some legitimate, absolute concerning injuries. This medical staff had to clear him. And listening to Adam Kaplan of the Inside the Birds podcast, knowing this medical team and this medical staff and knowing how they grade talent and how they give you the check mark or not. Either they're giving you the red X or they're giving you the check mark, knowing how harsh they grade some of these injuries. The fact that they gave the Eagles a passing grade is somewhat telling. If you want to look at that for any sort of optimism, maybe you will, maybe you won't, considering the track record of some of these injuries in the past, although they did move on from some of these doctors and health people and whatnot. It's hard to keep track of what they've done, but there has been a lot of injury concerns for sure with some of their players over the the last few seasons. Here's what I know. It's not the best. I was a little underwhelmed. That's my feel. My feel was it wasn't the best you could do there. I'm a little underwhelmed, but I get it. I understand if I'm going to sit here and question how much time is left in the tank for this offensive line and then they go out and fulfill that with one of the best linemen that you can find in the draft, how can I complain? I just think that you're you're looking for that outside corner still. And there are many ways to get that guy. They're making it seem like maybe we can go and, and make a splash elsewhere. I'm not telling you a Darius Slay caliber type of player, but someone that can hold their own. Sort of like, what did you do with Anthony Harris? Phenomenal signing, right? You found value there. Not a long-term option, but someone who could solidify that spot and play. Well, that is what maybe you can go do. Find something similar to an Anthony Harris. There's many ways outside of the draft. You're not going to find that player in the remaining of this draft. And that's why with the third round pick, there was a lot of frustration involved. Where's the outside corner? You have no outside corner. Why aren't you getting an outside corner? Well, with all due respect, and I'm not going to act as if there's not talent, starting talent, lethal talent in the third round. Every year, there's a guy that goes in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, somewhere deeper in the draft that ends up becoming a stud, and they're groomed that way, and they have an awesome mentality, and they absolutely flourish. So I'm not saying there isn't talent there. There absolutely is. But it's definitely harder to find, percentage-wise, that third-round cornerback that's going to be your starting guy that you can rely on fully to shut down an opposing team's wide receiver opposite of Darius Slay. Like, you're not going to find that there, so I don't get the frustration. Maybe in the second round, if you wanted Asante Samuel Jr., you wanted to find that piece there, well, the percentages are higher for you to lock and load in that spot and grab it at that opportunity. When you get to the third round, you found Avante Maddox in the fourth. You got Kayvon Wallace in the fourth. 
That's the type of player where last year the expectation was this guy could be Brian Dawkins. And then you watch him play and you realize, okay, well, there's a lot to improve before he becomes that type of player. And that's more the norm than the outlier. Sure, there is one or two guys that might be able to be that stud. Might not be in that position, though. You know, we talk about those players that do become noticeable household names later in the draft. Well, it's not always at the corner. If you're looking for a corner, it could be a wide receiver. It could be a defensive tackle. It could be a defensive end. It could be an offensive line. Jason Kelsey, look where he was selected. Jordan Maialata, look where he was selected. So if you're looking for corner, you might pass up on that transcendent player because you were only looking for corner, whatever. My point is this, though. I think there's an overreaction in that third round on what you went and drafted. There's a reason why these percentages of these picks are more of a project and more of a Kayvon Wallace, more of an Avante Maddox. Those players need to groom. Those players need to grow. Those players have flaws. That's standard. You're not going to get that player that you want opposite of Darius Lay in the third round, and that's going to be a stud. If you were to pick a corner, let's say Robinson, he might be able to start. He might be able to play, like actually physically be out there, but if he gets abused five times in a game, four times in a game, you're just going to bitch and complain that they picked the wrong guy anyway. I just don't understand the obsession with it then and there. Overall, yes, overall, they need to find out what they're going to do with that hole. Specifically, though, that pick in the third round to get all upset about defensive tackle. Have you have you watched this franchise? <laughs> have you seen this franchise? Have you been a fan of this franchise? Offensive line, defensive line. And then they went out and got the guy that made you happy in the first round, and they and they fleeced around a bit, making some trades. But it was one extreme to the next, and that and that's the problem I'm having. For as satisfied as I was after day one, and I don't hate Dickerson. I don't hate Dickerson. We just talked about after day one, though. It felt nice not having to talk about something similar to a Davion Taylor or a Sidney Jones, right? Oh, well, it's going to take time for them to grow, and they're young, and they're raw. And, and another thing that Adam Kaplan mentioned, I listened to a little bit of their live stream, their post-day two live stream, and he talked about the coaching at the Louisiana Tech level. And that when, when the Eagles get their hands on coaching the defensive line, that's when you'll see some more growth with him. And, and there's talent there. There's absolutely talent there. He's a good body, 6'4", 285, around a 4'6", 340, had a good pro day as well from all the reports. So, look, just because one person wasn't happy about it, it doesn't necessarily mean, or let's say the scouts wanted Robinson more or wanted another player more, it doesn't automatically mean that this kid can't play at all. Let's not write him off just because of a lack of a fist bump. That's totally unfair, and and I need to look at this more objectively. What is this kid? Not so much, well, there was no fist bump. All right, we we know that there's drama involved, and that not, that needs to change somehow, and it only changes with them making that sort of change. But yeah, I mean that that has to happen. If they want a defensive tackle, here's the thing: Barmore is something that was possible. There's a lot of character issues though, and if character issues gives you the red cross and crosses you off the list where you're not going to go there anyway. So if you wanted to get that position and he was on the board in the second round, which he was, and you weren't comfortable with him because of the character issues, then fine. I'm all right with that if that's off your list. 
You might not like that. You might not like the fact that they don't draft people because of that, but that's the NFL. Once again, are you new here? That's how the NFL has always been worked out. That's how it's always been registered. That's how it is. There's a lot of teams that won't even look at you no matter your skill level because of off-the-field problems and other issues that occurred in their life. And character issues has been on a, a red flag for Barmore, and then you move along and you try and get another player. I'm interested to see what he what he's like. I don't like, though, how we went from there's no double guessing. It was a consensus. After day one, Devontae Smith was awesome. If they went Devontae Smith, Asante Samuel, and then in the third round, let's say they got your Dick, or not Dickerson, excuse me. Let's say they got, come on, come on, come on, Milton Williams. Let's say they got Milton Williams, right? But they got Asante Samuel, or they got JOK and Devontae Smith and you still had the fist bump problem, I still think you'd look at this differently. It's the controversy of, is that second round pick even going to play? Now the questions start coming up. There were no questions when you saw Devontae Smith in a six jersey in a picture with the six on his back and then go into the Philadelphia Sixers game, ringing the bell, hanging out with Brandon Graham, Jalen Hurts being involved in all of the media scrums, or I guess it wasn't really the media scrums. It was all the media videos that was surfacing on Eagles Twitter that they were putting out through their official Twitter account. You know, after seeing all that, you had this great joy. You had all these smiles, and it was a pretty big collapse. As someone who said, not that I had the biggest faith in the entire world, all I said was, I'm all right with giving him two years 20 draft picks. What can you do? Can you turn it around? I was all right with that, and I thought day one, he proved me right. Day two kind of went the other way for all the Howie haters. There, there's no denying it. it. It showed a lot of dysfunction. There's not dysfunction involved with DraftKings Sportsbook, though, and you have to download DraftKings Sportsbook right now and use promo code BRODES when you sign up. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. DraftKings is hosting all sorts of fantastic pools right now where there's $50,000 up for grabs. You can also bet on baseball, the over-unders. You can go to prop bets, Aaron Nola, strikeout total. It's phenomenal. You got NHL, professional basketball, the 76ers, Joel Embiid and his point total. It's so much fun to look at all the bets. The futures, Ben Simmons, defensive player of the year. I love the odds on that. There's some really great value there. Head on over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Download the app and use promo code BRODES when you sign up. That is promo code BRODES when you sign up. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay, let's head on over to your thoughts, your reactions, the Anytime Hotline. Here we go. There's the Howie Roseman we know and love. Now, I don't think these were necessarily bad draft picks, but the problem is that we still don't have a starting number two corner, and we still don't have any linebackers worth building around, you know? And I think taking the, the successor of Jason Kelsey makes sense in concept, but one of the problems with our O-line is that they can't stay healthy. So taking an O-lineman who cannot stay healthy does not make that much sense. And as for defensive end, or defensive tackle, yeah, we could use depth there besides Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat. But again, probably should not be prioritized when there are better cornerbacks and linebackers on the board, and we literally do not have starters in those positions. 
I, I understand where you're coming from. I will say, though, I was all right with Asante Samuel. I think he could obviously play, but he's listed at like 5'10 or so, 5'10, 5'11 in that range. Avante Maddox is 5'9. There's obviously a difference in the NFL from one inch. That makes the, the difference for sure. Let me see exactly where Asante falls in terms of size. He's listed as 5'10. If Avante Maddox was an issue at 5'9", and we all agree that he was, 5'10 with Asante Samuel, look, all I'm saying is let's not act as if it's an automatic no-brainer. Even though I would have been more satisfied with him, I'm admitting that, you know, there are some flaws with him, and it's not necessarily 100% perfect. We didn't like Avante Maddox. Well, why didn't we like him? Because he wasn't big enough. Yet we're going to jump for joy and just act as if this is a no-brainer, perfect, easy fit, 1,000%. I don't know. I mean, don't you see that there's some sort of disconnect there? Uh, you're not wrong with your assessment of you have a problem at outside corner, but you're going for depth at defensive tackle. The problem, like, the, the where they look at this, though, a little different from you, whether it's right or wrong, is they win because of the trenches. They have had sustained success because of the trenches. Fletcher Cox is getting up there, right? You signed Javon Hargrave, and he is what he is. You saw him showing up a little bit more as he got healthier. He started the season off, I believe, with the pec injury or the shoulder injury. There was something involved there, and he started to show flashes after that. But Fletcher Cox is getting up there in age, and he's not showing that same exact burst. He still has burst, but the burst isn't the same and as isn't as lethal. You're replenishing what your power is. Your power is the trenches for this franchise, and it always has been. So you're powering that up, and then let's see how they finish the job. In terms in terms of a linebacker, I feel like everyone's forgetting about Eric Wilson. Eric Wilson is something that they have right now. I'm not telling you these are world beaters, but Eric Wilson and Alex Singleton right now, if you think that defensive line depth is more important than linebacker, which, I, look, I like JOK. I would have been okay with JOK. That's a different question. That's different, though, because JOK would have been in the second round, so that's not so much defensive line. That 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 takes away Milton Williams, and that's more so Jason Kelsey, more so your offensive line depth. Do you value your offensive line depth more than a linebacker? I mean, that that is a simple, simple answer. If you're putting me in the Philadelphia Eagles' shoes to answer that question, hell yes. Yes, I will laugh in your face if you ask me that question again. You're not actually asking me that. Theoretically, hypothetically, you're asking me that. And the answer is, duh, no doubt they do. So it's really not shocking. They have Eric Wilson. They could fill their holes with something like that, and that satisfies them, whether that's right or not. I can live with that more than the outside quarter because you saw that hole actually was the downfall of your team. But let's see how they fill that hole. The offensive line is extremely banged up. You went out and got an extremely banged up guy. Is that going to last forever, though? Who knows? We don't have the answer for that. What if he goes out there and shreds for the next 8, 9, 10 years and you found your next Jason Kelsey? Then nobody's complaining. You just don't know if that's going to be the case. The injuries is the only problem. There's no doubt that he's a mean, tough son of a bitch that can maul you. You know, you want to pound? You want to play the run game? He's going to run you right over, and he's going to be on the highlight package nonstop. You know, I saw Baldy's breakdowns from, I think it was almost like a year ago or so, just raving about how phenomenal he is. And whoever gets him, it's a steal, and it's amazing, and he's going to be one of the best players to come out of that draft. You go through the ACLs, two of them, the ankles, two of them. Yeah, there's concerns there, but what if? 
What if that risk is worth it because he ends up being an absolute stud and he's your next Jason Kelsey? I sit on the side of underwhelmed, though. I'm just putting myself in their perspective where I'm underwhelmed, but this isn't illogical either. This isn't Davion Taylor fully. The conversation might be more of an unknown like a Davion Taylor, but this isn't Davion Taylor-esque. This is an Alabama player. We all wanted Alabama players. You go get your two Alabama players to start off. You have questions about can he stay healthy. That's not great. But it's not an irrational move. The moves do make sense Maybe just not the most bang for your buck. Maybe not the best value, but it's not out of left field. It's not Jalen Hurts being drafted. It's not Davion Taylor being drafted. And is that where the bar is? No, not necessarily because, like I said, these these picks do make sense. It's unfair to say that they don't make sense at all if you've seen anything with this Philadelphia Eagles team over the last handful of years. They're just running through their staple. They're running through their blueprint and what they've deliver to you for X amount of years. Bros, dude, to be honest with you, man, when it comes to the Eagles pick picks this tonight, I'm disappointed. I really am because I thought we were going to get a cornerback and a linebacker tonight. You know, I didn't know what order we're going to cornerback first, linebacker first, or et cetera. But the Landon Dickerson pick, I understand because Jason Kelsey is not going to be around here for much longer, and we need more depth in the offensive line. But his injury history is concerning. And after reading like his injury concerns, I feel as if we just reached on this pick. And this one, this Milton Williams one, dude, we needed a cornerback or a linebacker so much more than a defensive tackle. Here's my argument to that, though. In the third round, if you were to get that linebacker, your your linebacker is not going to be this stud linebacker that's going to start and make all these plays like Parsons. You're not going to get a, a Patrick Queen type of secondary piece. You're not getting that lethal, insane weapon. You'd get a rotational linebacker at that point. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you're right. You might need a linebacker. And they do have Eric Wilson. They do have Alex Singleton. The job's not finished yet. They still need help. I'm not telling you that's a core that you should be ready to go win a Super Bowl with. My point, though, is in the third round, if you're upset about Milton Williams because you thought there was some linebacker there that's going to rock your world and, and it's it's going to change your defense's identity, no, you're going to find a guy like a Kayvon Wallace. You're going to find a guy like an Avante Maddox. You're going to find a guy, hell, like a Nate Gary. You're going to find guys like that, which... I'm not telling you those Nate Gary stinks. I'm not telling you Avante stinks fully. I'm not telling you Kayvon Wallace stinks. I'm telling you that it takes a little bit of time for them to even figure out who they're going to be in this league. There's going to be a lots of struggles. So you're right. They do need linebacker. They do need outside corner. But in the third round, let's not act like there's a plethora of guys that you can easily pick, slot in, and that hole is fixed. It just doesn't work the way. I'm not confident enough in the alternative that you wanted there that was a lock to fix your opposite of Darius Slay move. You know? I don't know. That's just kind of the way that I look at it. With Dickerson, though, I do understand the backlash from this standpoint. Severe injuries. Severe injuries. 
Not a minor tweak. Not a thumb. Not a foot. Severe ACL problems. Not off to the greatest start. But it all comes down to if the kid can play and if he can stay healthy, big if, you have a serious weapon. And you have a weapon that changes your franchise on the offensive line. I I don't know if reach is fair. Because you picked Landon Dickerson from Alabama who can play every position on the offensive line who is unbelievable. The talent you didn't reach on. Health did you reach? Maybe. But if you said you reached for him in the second, no, you didn't reach for him. He fell in the second. He's a first-round talent that fell in the second based off of severe injuries. That doesn't make it a reach. A reach is going, and let's say you picked JOK with 12th overall. That's a reach. If you used your first-round pick on Asante Samuel Jr., who went in the second round, that's a reach. Picking a guy who fell, that's not necessarily a reach. That's almost the opposite to a degree. Bros, the Eagles draft a center in the second round. Landon Dickerson, you know I'm a little bit confused. Maybe thought we would have gone to Sante Samuel Jr., taking a quarter, uh, cornerback. But, you know, Jason Kelsey's getting old. We don't know how long we're going to have left. You know, I think it's a good pick. I just think it was a little too early to take a center. I think maybe we should have taken a cornerback or a linebacker. Now, naturally, you are right. It's not normal to pick a center, an interior lineman that high in the draft. You find them lower end. But if you listen to anyone who knows how powerful Dickerson is, you know, like Derek Gunn was showing out tweets on some of the takes I've seen on uh, on Dickerson tonight. Let me see if I can find the tweet exactly from Derek Gunn. Man, I love Derek Gunn. He's just a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal uh, just sports broadcaster for sure. Uh, he said, yo, five exclamation points. Some of these social media comments about the Eagles second round pick has my side hurting with a gif of a man just cracking the hell up. When you see the reactions to what he can be and his skill level, I mean, it could potentially work out where it's a steal, a steal that you get in there. Uh, you, you just got to work and be very cautious with him. And, and maybe it's something where you you don't see him very often and you don't see him a lot until the time is right, until everything is secure with the knees, until it runs its course and they are very precaution. You know, they go through precautionary measures. They don't force things. They let Jason Kelsey ride. They let this year ride. And then maybe the, the following year is, is more in play here for when you talk about him legitimately. So, this team has been very vocal about being a rebuilding team, right? Whether they use the word or not, it's clear they need to rebuild. They told you that, and you're aware of that. They need that to happen. This isn't going to be an overnight fix. So if they pick something for more of the long term, which maybe they did, a couple rotational pieces right now, or depth pieces, I should say, right now, not rotational, but depth pieces right now, If they're building for the future and they know this is a two-year draft process, a three-year draft process, this makes sense. This fits that mold. This is exactly what that is. So they're telling you it. You know that's what they need. Then they start dialing in with that philosophy and 
we don't know how to feel. I don't know. I'm just trying to to kind of read the pulse of the fan base. It, it's clear, though, day two was not as exciting as day one. And I, I fit in that category as well, being someone that has been more on the give them a, an opportunity to work themselves out of this funk more so than fire everybody funk. He had a phenomenal day one. They did not have a great day two, uh, more so based off of the dysfunction and the look of things, more so than the actual execution because we don't know if, if Milton Williams because someone that is very important for you through your rotation in your interior defensive line well that matters and if if Dickerson is your franchise player that matters I don't even know if I'm basing the day two funk off of the picks more so than I am the weirdness we saw on ESPN unfortunately whether that's right or wrong that's somewhat how I feel because I thought they were turning the page I thought they were turning the corner I thought they were getting back to what they used to do and going by the board and and just working with their scouts and going down that path and before you know it it all kind of blew up right back in their face again so that's why I'm, I'm more upset about things not so much just the actual picks itself because guess what if this guy ends up being all right Williams he could look at Donahoe and, uh, hey, screw you, bud. Remember you didn't fish pal me? Ended up working out. Now, if it doesn't and it's the other way, well, then sure, you can kind of throw it right back at Howie and Tyler Donahoe and go, hey, <laughs> hey, Howie, remember when you didn't listen to me? And if you watch Robinson play for the Giants and he's something that is beneficial for them and he he's a spark plug for them, then, yeah, it could, it could be a real quick 180 on that situation for sure. So that's where we are after day two, unfortunately. Thank you all so much for listening, and I will see you next time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.